Jerry, I kind of dismissed you last week. Put my hands up now, and I'm not saying I'm infallible the way Owen used to say it. Apology accepted. And I was like, there's no fear here. No. Teams don't fear Dublin anymore. Subscribe to the OTBGAA podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition available now. Liverpool 7, Manchester United nil. Get your comments in now. We want your thoughts on what happened over the weekend. Daniel Harris is with us on this Monday morning. Good morning, Daniel. Good morning. How are you? <laughs> oh, man. No, really. How it are is. you? Uh, I'm, I am fine. Um, it, it does, I guess, amuse me that I've spent the last many years rending myself on this show. And I missed last Monday when United actually won something. And now I am back to discuss... <laughs> Yet another triumph. Yeah, you're the Grim Reaper of Manchester United. Oh yeah, he's got it. He's got it. Sort. Well, leave it. Leave it like that. Leave it like that. <laughs> uh, whew, where to start? Where to start uh, with this Manchester United performance? Uh, is Eric Ten Hag? How much responsibility does he take for this? Uh, plenty. They all. They all. They. There's plenty of blame to go around, and no need to be sparing. I feel like I haven't said that for a while. But there is, and there isn't. So, yeah, Eric Ten Hag, I mean, I thought he picked the wrong team. I would have picked, I mean, this sounds sound like a ridiculous thing to say, because what difference would it actually have made? I would have picked one Bissaka, not Dallow, for that particular game, I think, a narrow pitch. Um, you, uh, Dallow going forward is not so much better than one Bissaka that I would take away the one-on-one defending and the ball-carrying that I think you get from one Bissaka, particularly because Anfield's quite a tight, narrow pitch, so the width isn't as important. But on the other hand, I was chatting to someone about this yesterday and he said that Alexander-Arnold's diagonal balls to Nunez at the back post would have been the worst thing possible for Juan Bissaka. So I understand why he didn't. Uh, I wouldn't have played Weghorst. I wouldn't ever play Weghorst, who is a sort of classic post-Fergie era player in that he's not good enough, but he's not useless. So managers often play these players and think that they're adequate because sometimes they are, but over the stretch, they just aren't. But... Obviously, that's not what really went wrong. What really went wrong is United totally lost their head in the second half and Liverpool happened to have a day out at the same time. Seven goals from eight shots isn't something that you would ordinarily see, but obviously you have to accept the fact that Liverpool finished ruthlessly while United were in the process of collapsing. Where does the losing the head in the second half come from? Obviously, the concessions of the goals and uh, heads drop, but yesterday was something very different than we see from the vast majority of professional footballers where heads were clearly gone. Bruno Fernandes had given up. He had, When well, Bajetic gets past him, he literally just has a kick at him and throws his hands in the air. There's two or three occasions in midfield where someone skips by and he doesn't chase back. Luke Shaw just has one of those days that you know he will probably remember in 20 years' time as, and talk about it as the worst day of his career. Casemiro, Varane have maybe their worst days in the Manchester United jersey. How does all that come together in the second half and, and how how should they have stopped that from happening? Uh, I'm not certain Luke Shaw will remember this because I remember someone once told me a story about him where the United were going to play a Euro away and um, he went downstairs and he realised that he'd forgotten his Uno. Players were into Uno at the time, don't know if they still are. So he goes back to get his Uno, goes to the airport, arrives at the airport and realises he's forgotten his suitcase. So I'm not 100% convinced <laughs> Luke Shaw will remember Maybe that uh, <laughs> lack, of, lack of short-term memory is a good thing for Luke Shaw at times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he, I mean, even... even I mean, maybe he's getting he's getting on a bit. I mean, I, I feel his pain in that lack mm. of short-term memory. But uh, I still have not forgotten this. But I think that 
some of these players have got form for this, and Luke Shaw is one of them, where we saw numerous collapses during the course of our season. And I think as a United supporter, I had hoped, and as a football writer, I had sort of supposed that the new players, or the uh, Casemiro and Martinez, along with Varane now being available, meant that we would never see this kind of behaviour again because we would have some serious citizens who would make sure that that didn't happen. And as it goes, though, like... I thought Martinez actually played really well in the first half, which sounds like a totally moronic thing to say. But um, Varane and Casemiro were among, were as bad as anyone yesterday. So I think that trying to understand where that performance comes from, I would say that, and I'm not trying to make excuses for these because there aren't any excuses, but they have played an absolute load of games, these players. They've played, I don't think they've had a free midweek since the World Cup, so they've been playing... So they've been playing weekend, then midweek, weekend, midweek, weekend, midweek. And mentally and physically, that is demanding. And if you're thinking, where might it be that the collapse happens? I guess 3-0 down at Anfield with 40 minutes to go might be that place where it happens. But you wouldn't expect it to happen quite like that. But ordinarily, as I just said a moment ago, if it did happen like that, you it wouldn't ordinarily be combined with such ruthless finishing and Liverpool playing so well because those two things, both those things that we saw happen quite rarely. And so for them to happen together is particularly unusual. But I'm not excusing the players with mental and physical exhaustion, but I'm saying that if I'm trying to understand why that happened then aside from just general weakness and indolence, that might be something we'd think about. Trying to find reasons for this, Daniel, like, and to say the occasion was too big for them on the day would be ridiculous. When you look at the experience in that United lineup. you're thinking... You look at how they played in the first half. Yeah, well, they didn't... It was when things went wrong. It was a lack of... It was a lack of fibre. It was lack of vertebra when things started to go seriously wrong. Until then, they were fine, and... But they were only fine. Like the first half performance, did you not expect more from United with the confidence that they have? They've just won the Carabao Cup. They've lost once in 22 games. It feels like they're back. And I get the history at Anfield isn't great, but that was a different Liverpool team to the one we've seen this season. Did you not expect them to come with more, more fight to bring it to Liverpool, to put Liverpool on the back foot a bit more in the first half? Not really, because um, I, that's not how United have been playing over the last few weeks. If you think about the individual games, even Newcastle, they, Barcelona, they, both Barcelona games, they've kind of been managing the game in the first half before letting it all hang out in the second, which I think is just a, a, phys- a physical thing that they're being asked to go to the well a lot. They're the busiest team in world football. And again, when I say all this stuff, I'm not defending the nonsense that we saw yesterday, but them managing the game in the first half before getting properly involved in the second half is a, is a dangerous tactic because they could have easily been two or three down in midweek against West Ham. By virtue before they started playing, but it feels like perhaps it's a necessity of the schedule where they've been staying in the game in the first half and they have and thinking that they have players that are still good enough to score goals and then properly then properly getting involved in the second. Am I right um, in saying that yeah. was a very Solskjaer thing as well that they, you start games very slowly? Yeah, it was. I mean, that was a slightly different. Like Solskjaer, it was a bit more. They were get, they were going behind in games. There was mm. it was a bit more indolent in the Solskjaer era, a bit less a bit less organisation, and then suddenly they found themselves behind at half time. So the attacking players just dealt with it. There's there's a bit more going on in this team in the in the structure of the way that they play, and they do play with a bit more confidence and a bit more abandon than than Ole's teams did. But the that pattern of United 
hanging in, not hanging in there in the first half, but United playing within themselves in the first half before stepping up in the second is a repeating one. So it wasn't the one that I saw for the first time yesterday. And it's United generally score more goals in the second half than they did in the first half. So I wasn't particularly surprised at what I saw. And it felt like in the last 10 minutes of the first half, they were starting to get on top. And that was the point of of the game at which they should have scored. They didn't. And then then things weren't very wrong after that. But you can't blame the occasion for getting on top of them when when they played pretty well or reasonably well in the first half, better than the United sides played in the first half at Anfield for quite some time. So it's not the occasion that got on top of them, it's circumstances that got on top of them. And then they bottled the circumstances. And I'm not saying that's more or less acceptable, but I think there is a subtle difference in what we saw there. Daniel, this, this could go two ways for, for United from this point forward. So they can either, on Thursday night, be, beat Real Betis comfortably at home in the first leg of the Europa League last 16 and then beat Southampton in the Premier League next Saturday or Sunday before the international break or this can be a turning point in the season and the start of a downhill uh, slump that really really will have started with with conceding seven goals at Anfield what what way do you expect this to go because there's been all this talk that United players are mentality monsters but there's no no mentality no they're definitely not for me Um, I mean there are like Casemiro and Varane I think you, and, and Martinez, I guess you could say that about them. But as a collective, that kind of epithet is earned through more than being all right for most of half a season. That's you, you have to do quite a lot more than that. So, I, I mean, I would never have said that about them. But I do think that they'll be good enough to beat Betis and Southampton in the next week because they haven't they haven't suddenly become crap players. And I think that we have been able to have some kind of faith in their ability to perform, not because we're just assuming or based on reputation, but because they've shown us that they have that ability. And when you've got players like Varane and Casemiro, who've seen a lot of things in football, they've taken some beatings, even though they played for Real Madrid, they will know how to bring themselves back and their authority will help bring the bring the rest of the team back. And I'm sure Ten Hag won't panic either. And I actually... I thought that, because I was kind of looking forward, not looking forward, that's a dreadful thing to say. I was awaiting the post-match interview to see what the players said. What I thought Ted Hall might do is send on Maguire so that he could come and do the exhibition fronting up afterwards, but he didn't. Bruno Fernandes came and did the interview, and there was none of the miserable contrition. We're so sorry, and it's so, oh man, we're so upset, and we're going to be working so hard in training to put it right. Usually you got last season when these collapses were happening, which were just so enervating and so undignified. Bruno, there was no apologising. He just said, we had a bad day today. We usually play better than this. What we play, The way we played wasn't good enough and we'll play better than that in the next game. And that was much closer to what I wanted to hear because ultimately as a professional, when those things happen, you need to put them aside and move on immediately because you've got other games to play and there's no point feeling yourself and getting all sorry for yourself. And although I do think that Bruno has some questions to answer, because as you intimated earlier, he was sort of leading the giving up and he's the captain of the team and the way he, and I've given him plenty of praise on here. So I'm obviously going to point out here that he behaved like a whiny little child and that's completely unacceptable, particularly from a captain of United. But the way that he gave that interview afterwards almost suggested that he put it away already. And as supporters, it's not, you don't feel it quite like that. You kind of, you're going about your business and then you're suddenly recalled, Jesus, United lost 7-0 to Liverpool yesterday. And you just remember, but as a professional, those players need to put that away. And it felt like the putting away process has already begun. So 
yeah, I would expect them to be all right in the next couple of games. There's definitely a bit of a sense that, look, this is a, a slight market correction for Manchester United, that the stock is still rising and we probably all got a little bit carried away because of the dips that other teams are having and we don't, don't quite know how far away they are from properly contending for a title. But at the same time, these sort of results, these sort of capitulations have happened too often over the past couple of seasons. I mentioned it earlier. Seven against Liverpool, six against Manchester City, five against Liverpool, four against Liverpool, four against Brentford, Brighton, Watford, Leicester. This is a team that when it goes wrong, it tends to go badly wrong for them. How does uh, Den yeah. Hag go, and maybe he's already well along that track, but how does he, how does he put a, get rid of that mental fragility that is there that, that they don't always down tools, but that they somehow can just stay in a game a little bit more and, and, and avoid a humiliation. I guess the only way that is you just, you repair yourself by getting by, by winning more games. And it's not, not all of these players were part of all the games you mentioned. Quite a lot of them weren't, but some of them were, and they'll know about themselves that they do have this in their locker. And maybe they'll always have it in their locker, but you can still be a good team and have collapses in the locker. We've seen it from Guardiola City quite a lot of times. Like we've seen them do it at Anfield in the quarterfinal of the Champions League, actually. You've seen you've seen good teams collapse. The reason the reason why I guess I didn't expect it was as I mentioned before, one that because I've been on here saying that one of the reasons you see it from Guardiola teams, I think, is because Guardiola doesn't like the kind of personalities that stop that kind of thing from happening. He likes choir boy auto- automatons who'll do what he says. And that sometimes means that you can just dominate games. But it also means sometimes that when things go wrong, they go wrong really badly. And we've seen that quite a few times with City. We saw it in that Liverpool game I mentioned. We've seen it against Tottenham in the Champions League. We saw it against United when they could have beaten United to win the league and they lost from 2-0 down. And so it is possible to be a good team and still have that in your locker. I mean, we've seen Arsenal lose 6-1 at Old Trafford before and that was a team with some very good players in it. So it's more about the more you win, the more you can put away that side of you. Um, but it might it might always be there, but it doesn't mean you can't be a good team. And you can look at this United team and you can see that they are a pretty good team now. But it's also very easy to look at that team and see where you need players. You need a right back, you need a better player than Fred, and you need a centre forward, or you need to move Rashford to centre forward if you think he's going to be good enough. And you probably need a goalkeeper as well. And I wouldn't, depending on how much money United have next season... I can't say that I would definitely go out and get a goalkeeper because there are prob- I, I personally have other priorities. And you look at the goals yesterday and you think, do I think any of the seven were De Gea's fault? Not specifically, but then I also think if you'd have had a more proactive goalkeeper behind that defence, do I think United would have conceded seven times? Probably not. So I've now given you four positions where I think United mm. need a better player than the one that they have now. That's almost half a team. So, on the one hand, you can say, well, United are quite a way away from being as good as they need to be. But on the other, you can say, well, they're actually quite good. And if you sorted those areas out, then they'd be really good. But so, they're the areas, are not, are, are, Daniel, are they not the areas that are in almost, I don't say desperate need of repair, but that, you know, are obvious they need to get a better quality of player. Are there not other areas where there are probably some questions as well? Like, is Anthony going to be good enough to be that guy on the right-hand side? Mention the last uh, one. Like, is is yeah, Bruno thought, Fernandez the player who's going to lead you to a title? Like, can Bruno Fernandez captain Manchester United again? Surely not. Yeah. I mean, I thought I thought that. I mean, again, this could sound completely ludicrous, so I always don't really want to say it. But I thought Anthony played play well in the first half yesterday. If we're talking specifically about him, 
I'm not I'm not judging him based on what I've seen from him this season. But when when I look at Anthony, what I see is I think he scored six goals and f- six goals and five assists. He scored in his first game, and since then he's played the World Cup and he's been injured twice. So to produce those numbers, including a winning goal against Barcelona, a brilliant winning goal against Barcelona. I think is quite fair for a player who didn't have a preseason, who's moved to a new country, who's young, who's just turned 23. So I don't look at Anthony and think, why on earth did United buy you? I look at him and think, you're a pretty good player now. And over the next couple of years, I would expect you to get quite a lot better under Ten Hag's coaching. And also, I trust the manager who knows the player well enough to know that that's what he wants. And I look at United when Anthony plays versus United when Anthony doesn't play. And I see, I mean, obviously yesterday was an anomaly, but I see that the pressing is better. I see that his ability to take the ball under pressure and hang on to it is something that is extremely useful to the team. And if you put a really good right back with him, you'd see a partnership that would give United a much bigger threat down the right-hand side that would be more similar to the threat they have down the left, where Rashford, or whoever it is, usually Marcus Rashford, has Luke Shaw there, who is a much better fullback than anyone that Anthony ever gets to play with. So I don't look at that and think Anthony is rubbish at all. And I also think United have options. They've got Jaden Sancho, They've got Garnacho who has the pace to go on the outside. And they've also got Ahmad and Polistri, one of whom I guess will leave in the summer, but they'll have to make a decision about which one it is. And the other one will then be... But none none of these guys have done it yet. No. But you're talking about potential. Right, but none of the Arsenal guys have done it until... they've done it now. Right, but they're doing it, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I would say... Come back to me when they've done it. How much longer has Arteta had with those players? And Arteta now has a player in every single position that he wants, most of whom he bought, right? Um, Ten Hag has had one transfer window to turn a team that was absolutely on its ass to this. And obviously yesterday was a total unmitigated disaster. But if you take the period between losing 6-3 at City and losing 7-0 yesterday, that's quite a long period of 20-something games where United, United's form was championship-winning form. It was as good as any team in the league. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lose my own I'm not gonna lose my own personal head and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna chuck everything out the window and and, and and cry like a baby because they lost that game. Although I obviously have sentiments about the way that they performed yesterday, when I'm not gonna just look at it in isolation when there's a fairly significant context that they've won a trophy, they're still in the FA Cup, they beat Barcelona over two legs, who are miles ahead in La Liga, and they beat them quite comfortably in the end. Should have beaten them in both legs, only beat them in one from behind twice. There's a course of dealing that is more significant than what I saw yesterday, although what I saw yesterday was an egregious disgrace. And more than one thing can be true at one time. And I can see that there's the, there's more than the bones of a good team there. There's a pretty good team there. But what I saw yesterday was unacceptable. But I don't expect this to be the defining match of this team. I expect them to... I expect them to get better. I expect them to get better immediately. I expect them to get better over the next year or two. And if they sign the right players in the summer, then I think we'll see a very good team next next year. And again, with our, if you look at what Arteta was doing yesterday, last season, Arsenal are now clear in the league. United now much better than Arsenal were last season. Do you think that's fair to say? I think there's a higher calibre of player at Arsenal, or at Manchester United, certainly with the likes of Varane and Casemiro. Obviously, the potential was there, it seems, in Arsenal that maybe we hadn't realised that Saka was going to come on and become world-class and that Martinelli was going to be world-class and Odegaard was going to be Martinelli's world-class. Martinelli's not world-class, didn't you? Ah, he's getting there. He's, he's big, getting he's there. He's a good player. And I'm not dissing him. World-class? How many... I he's getting there. Ten wingers in the world, literally off the top of my head, that are better than Gabriel Martinelli. And that's not because he's not a good player. He's an excellent player. He's got a lot of potential, but world-class... Well, he's getting there. He's, get, he's, he's unbelievably talented player. 
He's several, several. If you say that Gabriel Martinelli is unbelievably talented, that doesn't leave you very far to go with the players that are better than him. How would you describe the players that are better than him? He's unbelievable. <laughs> what does he do that is unbelievable? What have you seen Gabriel Martinelli do? You think, I cannot believe that's unbelievable. I've seen the way he's played this season. He's a good he's player. Helped his side to, he's helped his side to the top of the Premier League. Yeah, he's a really, he's a good player. He's, he's, he's a good player. Unbe- he's not unbelievable. So he's just a step above average. No, he's not. I say he's a really good player. Very he's good. He's very good. He's not unbelievable. He's very good. He's nowhere near unbelievable. <laughs> I can't believe it. Everything that I've seen Gabriel Martinelli do. And he's someone we were saying for the last few weeks should lose his place to Trotsdard because he's run out of form. I think he's found his form. He's, he's, uh, he's, he's a good player, but he's not, he's not unbelievable. He's not. And United have a better player in that position, in my opinion. I think Marcus Rashford is a better player than Gabriel Martinelli. I don't think that's a particularly controversial thing to say. I'm just saying that if you're saying that United, why should we but there's no gar- But there's no a- guarantees. There's no guarantees that United get to that level. Of course, and there are no guarantees of anything. I'm just saying that I would say that um, Ten Hag has had, what, seven, eight months with this team, right? Seven, eight months with this team. And if you allow him, the if you if you think that he knows what he's doing, it's fair to say that United will sign a two, three, four players in the summer that will make probably make them better. And if you're saying, and I'm saying that I think they'll be good next season, and if I look at Arsenal, United are much further ahead this season of where Arsenal were last season. I, that doesn't seem controversial because we have all sorts of evidence that backs up. Where did Arsenal finish last season? What, fifth, sixth? United... I'm not. I'm not saying it's controversial. I'm saying that we just don't know if United are going to make that next step. Arsenal no, have done it. Of course, you don't know. But the improvement that Ten Hag has brought about in very little time, right? We're agreed that that's happened. Yeah. Nobody. Nobody's we, disputing that. Right. So why are we saying that you think the improvement will stop when he's got the opportunity to? I haven't. I have. I haven't said at any stage that the improvement will stop. I'm saying but there's no guarantee the improvement will be the same as Arsenal's improvement. No, no, I'm saying there's no, no guarantee that Manchester City won't improve again. No, but back, everyone Manchester United could improve next season quite a bit, but they could still find themselves quite a bit behind Manchester City. Uh, they could, but they're not that far behind Manchester City now. So uh, City might City might go away again, but well, I, well, I'm, I think that the difference between United and the teams that are above them, and there are only two teams that are above them, let's remember, I would say that those managers, Arteta and Guardiola, have pretty much a player that they want in every position. And Tenach doesn't have that yet. He's had, he's had seven, eight months with his team that was on its ass. He's made them into a good team. And it's fair to think that he will make them into a better team. I'm not making any predictions. I didn't say United are going to win the league next season. I'm just, you asked me, you asked me if I thought that they were going to be, if I thought they were going to continue improving. And I do. And I compared them to where Arsenal were because I think Arteta has had a lot longer with his players than Ten Hag has had with his. Uh, we think that Ten Hag's a good manager which I think we do. I don't think it's controversial to say that Tanakh is a good manager. It's fair to say that United will improve. And a 7-0 defeat at Anfield is obviously completely horrendous behaviour from all concerns, but it doesn't make me forget everything that I've seen until this point that makes me think that they'll get better again next season. It's all semantics, lads. United were shy, Liverpool were brilliant. That's it. Common denominator in the morning. That's it. It's all we can say, isn't it? Like, there's, there's not much more to, to add. Well, I, I, there's, there's, there's always there's always more. And when, I, when, I don't think we can call something semantics because semantics means you're trying to describe things in words, and that's how we communicate. So when people say it's semantics, it, it sort of means that, like, yes, that, that it's, it sort of usually functions as some kind of dismissal. But semantics are how we make ourselves understood, so they're actually quite important. But I mean, to the extent that any of the stuff we're talking about is important, but. You can look, I think there'll always be more to look, you can look at things in isolation and say Liverpool were brilliant, United were crap, but except 
Liverpool being Liverpool being brilliant is something we've seen before. So we want to think about why were they brilliant, what allowed them to be brilliant, and then we're going to go and see them continue playing like that. And similarly, we've seen United collapse like that many times before. So we're trying to think about what is it that was unique about this particularly humiliating collapse? And do we think that it will continue? And I'm saying that I wouldn't be surprised if this group of players have more defeats like that in them. But I also think that it's possible for them to be a really good team that wins trophies and still occasionally do that. Daniel, thank you as always. See you again, lads. Mm-hmm. Sorry, have a good day, everyone. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition, available now.